0: Now, for those of you who think this place is sacrilegious and I'm a heretic, you may exit, but I just want us to make sure that as we're walking into this season, we're getting rid of some of the misconceptions and false pictures sometimes that we have of Jesus. Uh, One of the famous theologians said that God made man in his own image and man returned the favor. And oftentimes we're making Jesus into our own image of things that we want him to be. So it's with some difficulty that um, when we came across our Advent series, Advent is a word that means the coming in Latin, where we celebrate Christ's first coming and his second coming. I was reading and there was a painting or a picture of Jesus that one of the theologians I was reading was referring to. And I'll show it to you. And this is Rembrandt and this is called um, Holy Family. And as I'm looking at that picture, Um, I was struck with the realization, oh my goodness, Um, I did not realize that Mary was a 16th century Dutch virgin in a cow maid's costume. Um, And all of a sudden, she has a chair to sit on and apparently she has access to a fully formed Bible. Um, But if I hit pause just long enough and try to get past the fact that Rembrandt is trying to probably contextualize what the family of God would have looked like in his day, in his time, that was accessible to his people. If I pause long enough to realize that I've fallen into an old habit that I have, which is I take a glance at something and immediately I criticize it and tell you why I think I'm smarter than it. If I take a minute to realize that I have fallen victim of a digital age, that has reprogrammed my brain to immediately comment on something that's snarky and judgmental and condemning, and I'm very quick to make a point but very slow to make a difference. And if I pause long enough to realize that perhaps if I would just gaze and take time and open myself up, that perhaps some beauty and truth, and dare I say glory, Will come through this picture. And I think the same is true when we read the Word of God. So if you would join me in John chapter 1, we'll read our Advent text for tonight. We're going to do 16 verses, and I want to ask you guys to gaze upon the glory of these words revealed that reveal Jesus, and see if glory won't pop off the pages at you. And then we're going to come back to that picture, and it's going to help us see glory in the text, and the text is going to help us see glory in that picture. John chapter 1. If you guys will pray with me while we're turning there. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Father, I pray for the individual in this room who's made fun of the gospel story their entire life. Tonight, would your words reveal the glory and the light of your son, Jesus Christ, to them. And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. "...through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it or understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light." The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and from his fullness we receive grace upon grace. So let's go back to our picture. now. If you had to take an art uh, theory class in school like I did, just so you could pay college even more money and not pay attention and never use it again in your life, apparently I was wrong because I'm using it tonight, Um, they often talk to you about how the artists use light to draw your attention. So obviously the light is drawing your attention to Jesus, to Mary, and then to the cherubims and angels up in the corner, and I know on the screen it's incredibly dark, but One of the things I like to do, because when people tell me what I'm supposed to do, I try to do the exact opposite. Hasn't always worked in my life, but sometimes it's really great. I wanna look in the shadows. I wanna see what's in the background. I wanna see what I might not normally notice unless I gaze at it long enough. And can you see who's right behind Mary? That's Joseph. And the light is not directed towards him. He's working in the shadows. And if you could see a clearer picture of this, he's actually working on something. And as I gazed upon this, I just realized this. Some of you guys just need to hear this tonight. There is glory and there is dignity in working in the shadows. We don't need to be too quick to dismiss Joseph as the stereotypical, clueless husband and father who's so busy about his work that he's unaware of all the glory that's going on around him. This is not a sitcom, this is a portrayal of Jesus's earthly family. And I would suggest to you just the opposite. It's because he's fully aware of the glory that's all around him that he realizes he has work to do. And it's that glory that motivates his work even though he's not in the spotlight. One way that the message translates our text from last week is Jesus was coming and John was the stage hand and Jesus was the main actor. For some of you, you need to be reminded that even when you work in the shadows and no one notices, there is dignity and God's glory can be revealed in and through that. Can you tell or did you notice what he's working on? I didn't. And then I had to look it up. He's literally carving out a wooden piece that would be a yoke which was a harness of sorts that you would strap two oxen to to plow a field. And Joseph is anticipating and he's preparing. I just made up that word. Gosh, (laughs) I got off on the wrong foot. Let me try it again. (laughs) There's anticipation and then there's preparation for the proclamation one day that his son Jesus will come and say, come to me all you who are weary and heavenly laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His yoke may be easy and his burden may be light. That does not mean there's not work for us to do. And Joseph is busy revealing the glory of God in the midst of his work. Now let's come to Mary, right? Because there's the glories being revealed here. The Word has become flesh, it's dwelling among us. We have seen the glory of the one and only begotten of God, full of grace and truth, and from his fullness we will receive grace upon grace. What's interesting about Mary is in her left hand, she holds open a well thumbed book, presumably the Scriptures. And she's leaning over and looking at the face of baby Jesus. And she has removed the veil or the covering over the cradle so that she can turn her eyes upon Jesus. And there is this phrase that has gone deep into my bones that I read. It says, Mary is looking in between book and child. And I wonder if that's not the secret to Advent, the secret to Scripture and the secret to living a life incarnationally where we not only see the glory of God, we display it. That we turn from book to child. That we see the glory of God, the word revealed in words, and the word made flesh and dwelling among us. In between book and child, we are constantly glancing, looking for the glory of God. I think we usually do one of these things well, but not both of them. Some of us love to study scripture, but we don't know how to study the child. It was Martin Luther, the great reformer that wanted to put the Bible back in the hands of the people. And he said, scripture is the cradle that the baby Jesus is lying in. Oh, come let us adore him. We don't worship the cradle. We worship the child and the savior it reveals. Some of us just stare at how the word is made flesh and dwells among us, where God is moving, where he's active, and we're usually the doer types, right? It's wherever God's at, I'm going to join him. But all of a sudden, even us ministers slowly but surely forget to stare at the word. It's all about what we're doing and we're not retreating and constantly being fed by the word and understanding that God wants to speak to us on a daily, personal basis. Maybe it's in between the book and the child this season that we can become glory gazers again, seeing the word in the words and the word made flesh in the child, because it's the in-between that what this is all about, right? It's in between the book and the child. It's in between death and resurrection. It's in between Christmas and the cross. It's in between his first coming and his second coming. It's in between who you are right now and who God is calling us to be. Maybe, just maybe, if we gaze long enough at God's word and his activity, we will become what we behold the glory and goodness of God. So um, it's a little bit crazy in our house right now. Um, Third child, Margaret Crew Brooks, she's the alpha female in our house. Um, And so she runs without three alpha females in our hood. And so we usually let them hang out and play together because they're the only ones that can handle each other. We have to limit it to three or else the place will get burned down in a power struggle. So uh, her favorite friend, next door neighbor, Macy, was over playing, and then uh, her mom comes over to pick her up, and apparently whenever it's time for your kids to go, it takes eight hours to find their shoes, okay? Parent problems. So I'm sitting there uh, talking to Lindsay, and I'm like, how you doing? She says, good. said, hey, um, I've just been trying to find intentional time to get in God's word. People talk like that to pastors. Once once they, you revealed their identity, it's just, it's straight to to the point, which I love. Um, And I said, great. She said, yeah, I actually bought a Bible that I keep at my desk on work, at work. And I've just been taking breaks and time throughout the day. Instead of doing something else, I've just been reading through the gospel. I said, that's awesome. She goes, well, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what? She goes, I just got done reading the gospel and I was taking Macy somewhere to get dinner and she started asking me questions about Jesus. And I was able to look between the book and the child and answer her questions. She said, I think I could have answered them anyway, but I had actual scripture to point out. I had details that were right fresh in my mind and I got to talk to my daughter about Jesus straight from the gospels. Isn't that the moment we want? That because we've been in the book, we can turn and see where the word is going to become flesh and dwell among us, and then we can see his glory, the glory of the one and only, the only begotten of God who came from the Father full of grace and truth, and then from his fullness, we will receive grace upon grace. And we are more ready and willing to recognize to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, amen? So we'd like to take 120 seconds and just listen as an act of prayer. I'm gonna ask Boggs to come on up here. Um, I'm gonna ask you two questions. Uh, where's an area in your life right now that you need to turn your eyes upon Jesus? The second question is, when you do that, what's an area that you need to grow dim? Because it says, the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light and the glory of his face. What's getting you right now that is a total earthly concern that you need to dim down the lights on, and you need to turn over to Jesus' face, and you need the lights to go up? So to help us with that, um, we usually take 120 seconds for this. Boggs and I were talking through this. He took 120 minutes and wrote a song about this. So he's gonna use this song as a prayer to help you during this time. So if you wanna listen to the words, sing the words, you can do that. If you just wanna write in your journal, if you're already right where you need to be with God and you're zeroed in, go for it. If the words of this song help you pray and process about how you need to turn your eyes upon Jesus and look between the book and the child, awesome. But you take this time and you listen to your Father.